Hey, hey, Star Wars fans, it's Gary here from Spark of Rebellion, and we would love for you to listen to all of our brand new episodes when they land every single Saturday. Make sure you follow us on your podcast app of choice or pop over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash listen. If you like the show and you want to support us, you can do that via our Patreon. Just head over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash Patreon and come and join our other patrons. And thank you so much for your continued support. Now, may the force be with you and on to this week's Spark of Rebellion. Hello there. We would be honoured if you would join us. What is going on? Welcome to episode two of Spark of Rebellion, the weekly Star Wars show brought to you from a galaxy really, 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 really close. That's right. Every single Saturday, myself and my main man, Mr. Gary Aylett, are going to be bringing you news, reviews, discussion, fun, laughter, banter, and random spotlights, all from the Spark of Rebellion show. Now, if you are interested in becoming a part of the Rebellion, check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash spark of rebellion or check us out on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. But enough of that. Gaz, how are you doing, brother? I'm doing very well, thank you, mate. It's um, We're recording this uh, on the 17th of April uh, in a run-up to our big launch. And I'll tell you what, mate, what a time to be starting a Star Wars podcast. Uh, I've just been absolutely... Uh, immersed in all of the Star Wars stuff that's come out of Star Wars Celebration over the last weekend, the last few days. Uh, we've got loads to talk about in, a, in an upcoming show for that stuff, but uh, it's been such a cool time to just soak all of that Star Wars news and announcements and fun and all that stuff. It's, uh, yeah, it's amazing, amazing times, man. Oh, it's, it's geek. Absolute geek heaven. It really, really is. And we're going to dig into that in a little while. We're going to get into, when it comes to our review and discussion segment, we're going to dig into the top three announcements from the Star Wars Celebration 2019. And you'll probably be listening to this on or after May the 4th, which is when we launch. So we're going to be re- releasing a number of shows on May the 4th so that you guys can kind of do a bit of a binge on it. Uh, but today we're going to be digging into not only those top three announcements from Star Wars Celebration 2019, but also we're going to be digging into a random spotlight on a location, a person, a place, a thing from the Star Wars universe. But we're going to start, aren't we, brother, with our top three pieces of Star Wars universe music. And uh, this is going to be a fun one because we did this last week with characters. Um, So what have you got coming up? Let's go from three up to one. So let's start with your sort of third favorite piece of music in the Star Wars universe. Well, what have you got, man? Uh, right, so um, this was, oh, before we get cracking with this, this was really, really difficult to whittle this down to a top three because, I don't know about you, man, but I listen to Star Wars music all the time, like, literally every day. There's pretty much, uh, as I'm working or commuting, whatever, I've got loads of Star Wars music going all the time. So this was really difficult. But my my third one, and this is kind of a, well, I say new, it's from the sequel trilogy, and this is Ray's theme, uh, and it's also used in a track called The Scavenger from The Force Awakens. And the reason why I've picked this one is because I was, uh, when John Williams was announced that he was coming back to score the sequel trilogy for The Force Awakens, I thought, that's a lot of time's gone past, you know, but a complete 100% faith in, you know, the, the genius that is John Williams. Um, and I just thought that this particular theme is, is just beautiful. I mean, it suits Ray's character 
absolutely perfectly. They slot it in now and then, along with the Force theme throughout some of these other films. Uh, it's just one of those beautiful little melodies that just sums... I, if there's one person that, if you were to describe a character to a composer, he's the guy that can come back with music, that when you've got your eyes closed, that's the character that you see. So um, for me, that's uh, number three's Ray's theme, the Scavenger. Oh, man, I love that choice. And, you know, he's the guy that, that, that made the music say the word Superman. So, you know, the guy's a genius. Indeed. And what I like about Ray's theme is is how it kind of bounces along. It's so light and airy, but it's got an urgency to it. It's got that kind of bouncy feel to it. And I, you're right, you sort of see the the scampering in the desert, the BB-8 scampering along with it. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's really, it really does capture that lightness of the character at that stage in her journey. So, dude, that is a really sweet choice. Thanks. What about you? What's your number three? Oh, mine, mine might be a controversial one because I'm the same as you. I, I, there's so many. And I'm, again, the same. I, I listen to Star Wars music on repeat during work hours all the time. And I'm, I was kind of torn with this one. But I went with Across the Stars, the old Attack of the Clones love theme. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went with that one just because every other piece that I went with um, – is, and it's interesting, we've chosen the same first piece, which I thought was very, 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 very interesting, very much fun. But they all kind of sum up one thing, one person, one theme. And and this one for me, it, it kind of, it just showed that union of people. And I think outside of something like Duel of the Fates, where you've got, you know, you, you've obviously got conflict. I thought this was the entire antithesis of that kind of music, where it's trying to bring people together. And regardless of what you think of, of the old Anakin and Padme scenario, the acting and everything that goes along with it from the prequels, this just, it just encapsulates everything about that distance between them, you know, the actual physical distance much of the time and and, and the metaphorical distance and just how does that connection and I, it just, it kind of just feels like a calming presence throughout everything. Um, so yeah, Across the Stars from Attack of the Clones was my number three my man nice i like it it's a very calming piece of music for sure it is it is all right number two dude what we got so my uh second choice number two in the list uh is the awesome battle of the heroes from episode three revenge of the sith this was kind of i was really like i said i was really torn with um with pretty much every because on if you ask me this question next week I'll probably give you three different answers, you know. So um, this one was a different one because uh, I tried to not go too obvious with it because we all like, you know, the big intro themes and we all like the bit, you know, all that stuff. Um, And so I tried to pick one that was really sort of epic and bombastic and really, you know, just depicts the whole, you know, the whole lightsaber, all that stuff. Um, so I thought this was a good sort of media. I didn't want to go with the typical intro with the Star Wars logo and the crawl and all that stuff. However much I love that, I just thought this one was a really good, uh, it just really gets you in the mood as well. Uh, that's another string to John Williams's bow is uh, he can go from something like Across the Stars where it's all very uh, romantic and bring you know brings you into a certain place. And then this one, you, you could play this through any action sequence in any film and it would be perfect. It's really got that whole, it just, the quintessential, let's have it, there's going to be a tear up, there's going to be lightsabers, the whole thing. It's, um, I just love it. it it's a real, uh, it, it really gets you into it. 
in, into that mood. It's awesome. I went for something um, way away from that, although <laughs> it does feature a hero. And my <laughs> second one is the Yoda theme, which yeah. I think we were kind of exposed to that first in, in, in uh, Empire, weren't we? That's right. In Empire yeah. Strikes Back, it's got to be. And I chose this one purely because I feel as if it kind of evokes that inspiration and, and it, it evokes this kind of gentle strength and this this idea that anything's kind of possible. You know, if you, if you tally it up with the first appearance and, 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 and everything from Yoda and the younglings right through to um, even... I'm just thinking back now to when I first saw The Last Jedi and you like you knew that Yoda was going to be there the, and you, the second... The theme kicked in. It was just like, "Wow, all right, okay." Now I'm starting to see this. This is this is this is something for me. Uh, so Yoda's theme got got the number two slot for me. It's uh, it's beautiful, man. I love it. I love that theme. I love it. It's like you said. It's that inner. It's that strength, but it's a controlled, confident strength. It's not a Sith type of in your face, uh, loud strength. It's yeah. I know exactly what you mean, man. Solid choice, that dude. Your number two. Well, thank you very much. And we chose the same number one. So what is it and why did we choose it? Yeah, this is, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really glad that you chose this one as well because uh, it kind of completely goes against what I was saying with my number two about not being too obvious. But um, the Force theme slash the Binary Sunset track from A New Hope uh, or the Force theme in any of its incarnations that they sort of slotted into uh, pretty much all the films along the way. It's, um, I, I think it's outside of the main theme of Star Wars. I think it's the most recognizable, awesome sounding, emotional. I mean, it's definitely a hair raising goosebumps bit of music wherever you hear it. And they use it to, uh, so for me, the two best places they've used it, the obvious one is when uh, Luke still has the farm boy who's stuck on Tatooine comes out in the sunset and stares out into the distance and he's got the whole a galaxy and adventure waiting ahead of him and he's contemplating life. You know, it's just perfect. And then the second bit that I love um, is in The Force Awakens, the, the lightsaber battle in the forest at the end where Kylo Ren thinks he's summoning the lightsaber. You can see it rattling in the snow and then it whizzes past him and it's Ray that's done it and as she catches it, bosh. The theme kicks in, and I'm getting goosebumps now talking about it. It's just that piece of music is just perfect. It's so nice. It really is, and it, what what really gets me with that is everything you've said right there. Completely agree with, and it's it's for me, it's a very positive piece of music. It's laced with opportunity. It's laced with possibility, but it's hugely ominous. It's hugely ominous, like. Like there's something bigger at play and you have got no idea what the secret is and you might never understand it. And for me, I think they use it really well in some of the animated series, Rebels, Clone Wars, when there's a very pivotal moment for a certain force-wielding character or the force is playing such a pivotal role. But it's only a few strains. It's only, it's, it's just, you know, it's that that's all it needs and it can be at a different pace it can be on an oboe it can be on a flute it can be on on a on a bloody heavy metal guitar it doesn't matter what it is and you only need those five or six notes and you know what kind of thing you are in for 
And uh, yeah, I, I, I love it, man. It, is, it really is hair racing. Again, same as you, it's kind of like hairs on the back of your neck, mm -hmm. even just thinking about it. Um, so good choice, bro. Good choice. Let's let's do some honorable mentions. Let's let's quickly run through some honorable mentions. Who did you have that you that just didn't quite make the cut? Uh, so honorable mention to me would be the Imperial March. Uh, I think that's where John Williams really starts to hit his stride with the uh, the Empire uh, side of the music and the whole, not necessarily the Sith, but certainly the the, the Empire and Darth Vader, all that stuff. That's really amazing. Uh, Tales of a Jedi Knight. This is a really nice little bit from A New Hope when the scene where Luke gets uh, knocked over by the sand people and then Obi-Wan turns up and there's that really nice little bit as he takes his hood off and stuff. Really sort of magical, uh, fairy tale-ish kind of music. It's beautiful. Um, pretty much all of A New Hope <laughs> for me. Uh, Across the Stars, your number, your number three. Uh, it's really nice. The immolation scene at the end of Revenge of the Sith. Really powerful emotional music between Darth Vader as he is now, and the Emperor. Um, Anakin's theme from uh, The Phantom Menace, really nice, cool little piece of music. Um, Into the Trap, which is a, a, a long-running piece of music from Return of the Jedi, uh, when all the, uh, the the rebel ships are going off to uh, take on. You know, that whole bit there is really nice. And then a similar piece of music called The Asteroid Field from The Empire Strikes Back, where Han, Leia, and... Chewie are off on the Falcon and they go into the, you know, the whole big worm bit and all that stuff when they're being chased by the TIE fighters. Just, I could go on for ages. I'm sure you can, but uh, those are my other mentions. What are yours, buddy? Strong choices, dude. I went for the, well, the main theme in the Imperial March, of course, as you mentioned, that whole, that whole entire kind of medley is just perfect. I think it, 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 it juxtaposes positivity with that ominous nature of, uh, of the Imperial kind of iron rule. Um, so that was, that was the first one. Then I had the Cantina band just because he's such an earworm that is not leaving your head. If, if you even start to consider <laughs> what it sounds like. So the Cantina band, the old duel of the fates, which I think is just immensely powerful. Mm. And what I like about that one is, how it just hits you in the face, but then is able to is able to um, drop down to being very very quiet and mellow, and almost prance around to kind of um, showcase the agility and the ability and the, the the kind of light touch that you need to win a duel, but then also just hits you with the the conclusions as well. And then uh, we had Ben Kenobi's death, which I think is really powerful, and the last one that almost made it, and it was by a hair's breadth that it didn't, was the Princess Leia theme because I just love that. It almost beat out the Yoda theme um, as number two, but the Princess Leia theme is just, I love that. I think, again, it, it just sums up a character so perfectly that uh, I, I don't see how anyone could have done a better job of representing that person with, with any other music. So they're my honourables, bro. Nice, nice choices there, mate. We could go on for so, it could be a show in itself, I think, uh, the soundtrack. But uh, no, really cool. I'm, uh, I'm glad that we uh, we finished on number one with the Force theme because uh, it's like universally loved and yeah, love it. Uh, right, that's our top three uh, uh, piece of music in the Star Wars universe done. Uh, before we move on to our uh, next uh, discussion segment about the announcement from Celebration 2019, we're going to check out our Patreon page. Uh, just head over to patreon.com uh, forward slash spark of rebellion. Uh, you can see all the information there about the various tiers and so on. Uh, whack your sub on there. We've got some extra content coming for you guys and you can also get uh, a fancy uh, laptop or whatever 
item you want to stick it on for Spark Rebellion sticker, which looks very nice. I also love the old exec producer because this is something that we added at the top tier. If you want bragging rights, if you want to go down the pub and say, yeah, I'm now the exec producer on a Star Wars podcast, you can join the top tier of our Patreon. And I will back you up, as will Gaz, if we ever see you, if we ever get a phone call saying, is this person the exec producer on your show? We'll be like, yeah, of course. They come to the Christmas party and everything. <laughs> Hello. We'll have to get one of those uh, sort of makeshift Instagram frames that you hold up for a selfie. And it will say exec producer, Spark Rebellion. We'll, we'll get it all sorted for you. Don't worry. Oh, that's amazing. That's a right idea. We should get some business cards as well, like Moo.com. You can get individual ones. When we get when we get 100 exec producers, we'll just do individual cards and send them out for people for their wallet, wallets. That's a, uh, that's a good idea, man. The options are limitless. Um, right, so uh, Celebration 2019 uh, has just wrapped up, but there were some very cool announcements. Uh, we're going to kick off with our uh, top three. Um, who started in the music? I think it was me. Why don't you go first for this one, buddy? What was your... Your favourite. Also, now what's your third? Let's go up again. Your third announcement. My my th- honestly, it was the Mandalorian stuff overall, oh. and the reason for that is completely, completely not even founded in Star Wars. <laughs> right. It's it's because I had no idea that Apollo Creed is in the Mandalorian. Carl Weathers, <laughs> the man himself. The master of disaster. The, the mountain is, of molten lust or whatever it is. <laughs> whatever it is. He's, he's like playing some badass in The Mandalorian. I was like, what? I saw the pictures of it. I just like Rock is one of my top three films and I was just absolutely speechless. So for no other reason than this just being a Carl Weathers love fest, it's The Mandalorian everything just because he's in it. <laughs> <laughs> that's ridiculous, isn't it? No, no, that's cool. It's cool. He's a he, he's a a presence for sure. Um, I've no idea what character he plays in the Mandalorian just yet, um, but he does look very cool, though. That shot that you're talking about, he does look very authoritative and like he means business. He's a badass. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Apollo Creed. He's a badass. He's probably he'll probably beat his way around the galaxy just in boxing gloves. Yeah, jabbing everywhere. Yeah. Exactly. J- jab in the hut. There you jab. go. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, patent that. Uh, right. So uh, for me, um, so we're not doing top three. We're just going to do our overall then. Um, uh, so just a couple of bits for me then. The first one was obviously uh, the trailer for episode nine. Wait, but- wait, wait a minute. Sorry to jump in there. I was like, because I don't want people to think that the Mandalorian reveal was my top one. Holy, okay, right, right. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. No, but I'm just totally agree with you on this one. The trailer, you carry on, but I want—I didn't want the people to think, "What is this guy?" There's a new trailer, and that all that stuff came out, and he's picked Apollo Creed. <laughs> there is no tomorrow. Um, yeah. So the 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 trailer for the last. Uh, oh crikey, the trailer for I was going to say the Last Jedi. Then the trailer for the Rise of Skywalker. Uh, has to be um, potentially the most important trailer that we've had since the sequel movies kicked off. Um, purely because uh, it's The Last Jedi left so many unanswered questions um, because we were all under the impression that we were going to get a load of stuff solved and wrapped up at some point anyway in The Last Jedi. Like who actually was Snoke? Um, were we going to see the Knights of Ren that Kylo Ren is supposedly a part of? 
Um, where where were they going to go with this whole pseudo relationship thing between Ray and Kylo Ren? And there was just and the whole Luke Skywalker thing as well. You know that was a a curveball right there with Luke Skywalker popping it towards the end. Um, so we all expected a load of stuff to be uh, not concluded, but at least given some explanation about what was going on. But uh, Ryan Johnson just like, no, 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 no. You you go and think about it. You know, I've just made a film for you lot to rack your brains over. So this was really important because it lends us, we're going to be taken on a certain path down to a proper conclusion now. This is the end, isn't it? This is the the big one. So um, as usual, J.J. Abrams, it was very similar to the Force Awakens trailer that they put out back in 2015 or 2014, wherever it was. And um, in a really similar vein, uh, Mark Hamill doing the over, the voiceover, uh, some really key scenes, and it just rattled through Star Wars fandom. I think that was the moment where all of the bad negative fandom that's been surrounding The Last Jedi over the last few years was just wiped out in an instant. All of a sudden, fandom was back on board. Everyone was positive. It was just amazing, man. I just can't... Again, that was a goosebumps moment. It was just incredible. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I was I was sat in a bar watching it on my phone for the first time and uh, just completely blown away, you know, right up to that that leading into paraphrase, you know, Hamill's Luke Skywalker, you know, no one's ever really gone or whatever the phrase is for it. Who the <laughs> even expected the next part of that? Who expected Palpatine to be the laugh or to even be a part of that? And then to come on stage at the celebration and, and as Ian McDermott and just, just, just soak it up and then, you know, roll it again. Like, all right, yes. Okay. You win. We'll do that. <laughs> and it's just absolutely fantastically done. And, and it's just, I'm so curious. And when you look at everything that's come since then, you've got Abrams coming out saying that Ray's parentage is, he's not finished with that. Although he's not going to retcon it. Apparently, you know, he's not finished with that. You've got Snoke as this big, what the heck are they going to do with that? And then suddenly everything you realized, you know, everything that you thought has just been blown out of the water with, with that Palpatine reveal. And and just very, very impressive. And what I think one of the things that I'm quite interested in with this new movie, with, with episode nine is, you know, how they promised to tie the prequels to the sequels. Because The Last Jedi I thought was great. And it, I think it, there was one throwaway line in there from Luke, which is, you know, he referenced Darth Sidious um, kind of using the apathy of the Jedi against them. And I just, it was the first time that they tied the prequels to the sequels, sorry, to the original trilogy and then to the sequels in such a obvious over way for, you know, for those people who have only seen the films, suddenly it was all acknowledged. And I'm really interested now they've brought Palpatine in to to see what they do with that. Are they going to do more with Anakin? What are they, what the hell are they going to do? I'm just so excited about this. Roll it again. But the thing that... I was scared to death then. Why did you do that? Uh, The thing that uh, is probably the best thing to come out of it though, surely has to be the meme that's doing the rounds, which is just a picture of Palpatine and it just says, uh, uh, hide and seek overall champion, 1983. The 2019. It's that's got to be the one. I've not seen that one, but I like yeah. the sound of it. I saw a Thanos one as well, which was uh, at the top. It was Thanos saying, "I'll be the villain of 2019," and then Palpatine, you know, hold my beer. Hold my beer. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> Thank the Lord for the internet and fandom, eh? 
Oh, memes are fantastic. We should give a, an honourable shout out to uh, Jedi Fallen Order because that's that's looking quite tasty as well, isn't it? And it's got Jerome, uh, the person who plays Jerome, the Joker out of Gotham in it, who's a wonderful actor. Mm. Yeah, that looks really good, actually. I'm, I'm wondering how they're going to handle the whole, because um, the Star Wars video game license is still with EA. And thus far, they all they've had is a, is a string of cancelled games. And then when they launched Battlefront 2, there was a load of backlash around loot boxes and all that sort of stuff. And one of the devs from, I think it was Respawn, yeah, Respawn did say, this is a purely story-driven game. There's no loot boxes, none of that jazz. So we'll see how that actually ends up because EA have a habit of uh, yeah, being a bit greedy with the old dollar signs and stuff. So, But it looks like a cracking game, though. Really good idea. Love it. It doesn't. It, it goes back to what we were saying on episode one about you know this connectivity in, in, in the extra materials. And I know that you know the, the old Legends universe, Extended Universe, as it was pre-2013, whenever it was, you know, that, that's beloved to people. And, and I understood why they got away from that and, 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 and stuck it in a, in a corner somewhere, you know, so that they had the freedom to do the other stuff, the new stuff. But I think what they're doing now to connect things up is, is, is just a great job in, in terms of making just really Star Wars accessible to everyone. You know, it's got my mum interested because it's got Luke Skywalker and it's got the people that she recognises in it. And then it's got, it's got the kids interested because suddenly there's a, a cool, cute little droid that's, that's, <laughs> that's a ball. And, and, and you know, it's, it's, ju- it's just a really commendable thought process, I think. And regardless of what you thought of The Last Jedi, you know, it, it, it ultimately, it set a lot of things up and it, 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 it did a lot of good, I think, for for the entire universe. So it's exciting times, bro. What do you make of um, what they said about films being in development, but them going on a a release hiatus? So they said they got films in development, but they've not announced any yet. And they're going to take a bit of a break and a reset. What what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I actually think that's a good idea, you know, because I think this this whole theory of we want to release a Star Wars movie every year for the next... 25 years or whatever it was really came to a, a bit of a barrier didn't it when um solo was released and that really didn't hit the mark in terms of uh, in my opinion i really liked solo i thought it was a cracking film but in terms of what disney expected back from the box office it didn't really hit the mark did it so that was the first time that they thought oh actually we can't just put a film out with a star wars badge on it and ex- automatically expect it to bring back you know billions of dollars so uh, I think if they continue to do that, it would just compound the issue. I think sometimes, uh, and this is a great place to do it, obviously, as well. I think it's a great place just to take stock of everything, have a bit of a breather, and decide what they want to do with the spin-offs, because I think they're still in early development, uh, but also where they go, because they've hired a few people. The, the, the guy, uh, Ryan Johnson, the director from The Last Jedi, he's working on a new trilogy, isn't he, that's going to be set in a completely different time period. Uh, so when do they get that rocking and rolling? You don't, you don't want to leave it too late. <laughs> uh, and you don't want to invoke like a dark times uh, period again. Uh, but then again, you don't want to go too soon. So, And also they're piling a load of money into the Mandalorian and some other TV bits. So they might push that medium. So um, I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing just to have a breather and stuff. But uh, I assume you agree with that. Yeah, man. I, I, I totally agree with that. I, I, it's interesting... Um, what you mentioned there about you know putting the money into the Mandalorian, I think that is, that is the only 
the only potential kind of variable in this is how much money do they put into Disney Plus? How successful will that be? Because, dude, that library is insane. Everything Marvel, everything Star Wars. Now, Fox Entertainment, you know, you've got everything theoretically there. And plus, everything Disney. Yeah, what, yeah. what a library that is. And I think when you look at... You know, if, if you consider maybe like HBO or even Netflix style budgets going into Star Wars projects that are available on, on, on the Disney Plus service, that could be really interesting because you've got a lot of flexibility and freedom to test and try things there and, and, and to generate some really, really great content without having to worry about it being a, a box office fail. So, I, you know, maybe there's a, a different way of bridging the dark times. You know, in the, in, in the past, it was just the extended universe. You couldn't do much about else really it was you make films or tv shows but this is i don't know i feel like because the people are going to pay for a subscription streaming service like disney plus they've already got a certain kinship with the material you know whether Mm -hmm. that's star wars marvel or whatever so you can you can afford to give them content that you couldn't have put out into the mass market you know 10 15 20 years ago to try things so that that interests me i think that's interesting but yeah you know to the to the point to the question yes i think the hiatus is a is a bloody good idea Yes, and uh, just finally, they've priced Disney Plus very, very well in, in a slight uh, vein of the Trade Federation. They've they've gone underhanded and really, because a lot of people are expecting it to be over 10 bucks a month, but I think it's like $6.99 or something like that. So that really blows Apple's new streaming service out of the water and stuff if they can't match that. and So they've, they've got a winner, I reckon. It's going to be awesome, that Disney Plus. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're in a world of subscriptions now, but everything's mounting up. You know, if you think here in the UK, I don't have Sky, I don't have Virgin, I've not got any of that stuff. I've got Netflix, Amazon Prime, that is pretty much it. And I think when you look at... um when you look at adding a new subscription to your to your to your kind of um library, you you consider the fact that holy crap, you know, if I'd get Amazon Prime, I get Netflix, you know, I, I'm kind of paying Sky prices, mm-hmm. albeit without some of the extra bits like the sports. But I do think that the new entrants into this streaming market like Disney Plus have got to be really careful how they price it for that very reason. And I, I think it's a massive acquisition push. They're looking at getting as many users on as possible and then changing the pricing model later. Fine, we get that, we understand it. But yeah, I mean, holy, why would you not subscribe if you're a geek like we are? Yeah. It's insane. It looks amazing. Yeah. It's insane. So what we got next, man? We've got the random spotlight, which... I, I saw was from you in the Trello board that we run. And I was so very pleasantly surprised that you'd chosen this. So what's the random spotlight, brother? What we got? This is a good one. Yeah. So the random spotlight, just the, as a very quick reminder, is where we're going to pick every week, a, as the name suggests, a random thing from the Star Wars universe. It could be a character, a location, a weapon, a vehicle, whatever you like. Uh, and this week, uh, I've chosen the Malachor Sith Temple. And the reason I chose this is, um, one, um, I was just looking through, I was just do, doing some research and I thought, what can what can we talk about that's not too heavy in terms of history and all that stuff? I don't want to be reeling through like hundreds of pages of stuff, um, uh, but also what's, you know, really cool. So uh, I finished the Star Wars Rebels rewatch um, last month and this episode um, and this particular location just had my jaw on the floor because... Um, just the overall design and the visuals of this episode are absolutely stunning, beautiful. And there's a, a really cool bit of history as well that they, they kind of throw into the episode as well. And uh, yeah, so I just thought it was worthy of um, a little bit of discussion. So um, the, 
that the Sith Temple is located on the um, at Malachor, uh, which is like this typical, you know, that it's like a typical very dark, bleak-looking planet that you would assume uh, something Sith-like is going on. It's a bit like Mustafar, you know, Darth Vader's little castle and so on. Um, so, and it, essentially, it was a temple that was built by the Sith uh, years and years ago. Um, but they didn't do it in the same vein as the um, as the Jedi. So the Jedi Temple is all about, you know, uh, the knowledge being passed down and the, the sacred texts and all that stuff. Uh, the Sith being the Sith, they built this temple as a weapon. So uh, what powers the temple um, is this huge, giant um, kyber crystal, this uh, really deep red, uh, evil-looking uh, crystal, which was awesome. And uh, the, the idea was is that when... You um when you power up the the crystal when the Sith power up this temple, um what it does is it essentially just wipes out anything in the vicinity or even further depending on how much power they put through that. So, um in the episode in Rebels when they're when uh, Kanan and Ezra are going through the temple, they go past all of these um uh, bodies that have been sort of. Uh, disintegrated or they're like these husks and stuff where the Sith have powered up this weapon beforehand. There was like a big, um, you know, you know, back in the day, there was a big battle where the Jedi found out that the Sith were using this temple as a weapon. So they tried to storm the temple. There was a huge battle between the Jedi and the Sith and the Jedi, uh, sorry, the Sith powered up the crystal and just wiped out everybody, all the Jedi that was there. Um, so uh, the temple itself, it's got this typical... Uh, Sith color scheme and design, which you see throughout some of the films and so, which is essentially just like black and dark gray with red. That's like the typical Sith colors that you see around Darth Vader's costume and the, the Sith lightsabers and Kylo Ren and all those sorts of chaps. And um, yeah, but the way that they handled it in the, the way that you see it in Star Wars Rebels, it just looks beautiful because I remember, and I'm rambling a bit here, I realize, uh, but I remember when, Star Wars Rebels very first was announced and we had like a little teaser trailer with Dave Filoni and some other people taking you through the making of it. I remember them saying that they had based a lot of this stuff off of uh, Ralph McQuarrie's uh, early concept art and the the visual style. They actually made these brushes that emulate Ralph's style and all that stuff. So when you have that plus like the very modern contemporary look of the Sith design, it's all angulars, it's straight lines and everything and it's all very, um, it's not organic feeling like some of the Jedi stuff. This is very mechanical and all that stuff. Um, it, ju it just looked, I, I remember watching this the second time last month and I, exactly the same feeling came over me, like this is awesome. And the way that Darth Maul, you know, is in the story as well and how you unravel the tale of what happened as he's trying to manipulate Ezra and all that stuff. It's just a fantastic location and it's something that I would, I'd, I would love to see or would have loved to have seen, I, I can't see it ending up in um, the Rise of Skywalker somehow, but it would just be amazing, like in live action. But, you know, in, in Star Wars Rebels, it's just beautiful. And it's a really interesting backstory as well. Dude, that is such a good choice and, and, and massively articulate on, on that description. And you're right, everything that you said about... Um, the angles and the feeling, the the ominous nature of the place, and the fact it, it instills the dark side influence on people that are there. You know, you see Ezra being influenced by Maul, and you know Kane and having to fight against it to some some smaller degree, but you know trying to stand by Ezra as best he can. And 
Ahsoka, and, and, and it's, it's a really well done piece of work. And one of the mythological things that interests me about that is is right back to the beginning of what you said, which is about the, the, the powering of this thing based on kyber crystals. And what I love about that is is how it ties into generations and generations later, you know, you end up with a Sith Lord building a technological weapon of mass destruction, which is also powered by Kyber. Mm-hmm. And it, I love that symmetry. I love that callback and how they managed to, you know, it's, we didn't know it was powered by Kyber, the Death Star, until what, Rogue One, maybe. And then we, you know, we got an inkling of them collecting the Kyber in some of the books and in Rebels and and so on and so forth. And we got the whole, you know, your, your, your Kyber crystals bleed from the Ahsoka novel, everything that goes around it. Mm-hmm. I feel this, 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 this kind of, is a linchpin. It's that place where maybe that originated or maybe that's what they're trying to force into the mythology, this idea that, do you know what? All this other stuff that came later, it does have some mythological backing. And that, that really interests me from a story, storytelling perspective. And in, in particular, we talked about Ryan Johnson's trilogy. You know, let's assume, he, is he going to go forward in time? Highly unlikely. He's probably going to go back, you would think. And it just... It's mythology that they've built. It gives them ties for the fandom to be able to say, you know what, for the mass mass public, for the mass market, here's this temple. It's where people like Vader and Palpatine did bad stuff. But for guys like you and me, it's like, oh shit, that's the same place as from Rebels. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it, it, again, it, it, mythologically, I think it's really well done. No, I completely agree, man. And it does uh, it does provide a nice bit of of history that's almost tangible, if that makes sense, because when they've when they've spoken about the history of the Sith that they've alluded on, alluded to in the films a little bit, when you hear about Palpatine talking about his previous master and you know uh, when he's you know he's manipulating Anakin and he's talking about his previous master, his Sith Lord and all that sort of stuff, and obviously in the animated stuff, the Clone Wars and Rebels, we hear about all that stuff. We actually see the effects of that here. So as um, Maul and Ezra, and then eventually Kanan, and they they're going through the temple. Uh, you can actually see the, you know, the charred remains of the previous Jedi and stuff, and you can see what's gone on. Everything's it's almost like a frozen moment in time. So this, and it provides a really without some without a character actually saying to another character, "This is what happened." You can visually see, you know, the destruction that the Sith have, have brought around, and and it's got some other cool little bits in there as well, like. Uh, Ezra's already got the the little Sith holocron that he has to place in the in the thing, and that looks really cool. And then that affects him later on because he's been exposed. He's got the holocron, so the dark side is sort of manipulating his thoughts a little bit and stuff like that. So, absolute uh, just props to the, the the writers on Rebels for coming up with this sweet story about um, about this weapon and this this Jedi uh, of the Sith Temple, and also it shows. Um, that the Sith were a serious, actual, you know, because th- th- I think sometimes in in Star Wars, a lot of stuff is it leans towards the Jedi side of things a lot. Even though we have certain characters that are dark side, like Vader and Ren and Palpatine, that the overall sort of mythology around the Force and all that stuff, sometimes I feel like it does lean towards the light side a lot for obvious reasons. You know, it's meant to be a positive thing and all that stuff. Um, but every now and then it's nice to dive back into the dark side a little bit and find out what happened there and all that. So, um, yeah, love this place, man. It's very cool. 
Yeah, great shout, great shout. And and just to kind of footnote that, I'm, I'm always interested in, you know me, I'm sort of in the connectivity of things. And, and interestingly, when you think about the the, the dark side cave in, in The Last Jedi, and you think about things like Dagobah. And, Remember and, and, your mistake at the cave. <laughs> So. Okay, you are the resident impressionist. That's episode two. We're into this. That is now your label. <laughs> <laughs> I think you've, you've, it's, it's that that connectivity, like I said, between Dagobah and then you've got on, on Acto, you've got the, the, it's not the dark side cave as such. It's like the pool and then she's into the cavern, whatever they call it. These places, these pockets of dark side energy and activity, which are very much like Jeddah in in terms of the light side, and some of the other Jedi temples that you see in some of the other books and the other literature and and, and the other mediums, I, I just like almost like Batman. You know, you've got these Lazarus pits and you've got these training places, and you've got it's just again, it's just building that mythology, which I'm I'm always such a huge fan of. So yeah, I completely back you, dude, and I think that was a superb choice for the random spotlight. Well played, bro. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Uh, and I think we're going to wrap there, buddy, for episode two. It is a wrap. Thank you so much, guys, for listening to into episode two, which has been awesome, uh, going through some of the uh, favourite pieces of music from the Star Wars universe and also our uh, top three announcements that came out of Star Wars Celebration, which has been really cool. And uh, it's been great talking through a little bit of history uh, with the Sith Temple over on Malachor. Uh, where can people find us, dude, out on the interwebs? Search for Spark of Rebellion on absolutely anything. Tell your friends that this podcast is totally free to listen to and you can get it on Spotify, you can get it on Apple Podcasts. Even just search Google. You can play it directly in Google as well. And if you want to be an exec producer on the show, or even if you just want some sweet-ass swag, just go and check out Patreon as well for Spark of Rebellion. Become a patron, get free things. It's going to be awesome. And uh, leave us a rating and review wherever you listen to your podcast. Give us a little like and leave us a five-star rating and a review because it helps people to discover. So, Gaz, thank you, my man. This is always a pleasure. As always, mate, it's been awesome. And I can't wait uh, to get back behind the mic and go through some more Star Wars stuff in the next week's show. Until next time. May the force be with you always. Always.